Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson. I'm the Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner of the Bonson Group, a wealth management firm with offices in Newport Beach, California, New York City. And we are in the midst of a series we're doing at our marketepicurean.com website, marketepicurean.com, where we have essentially uh, now completed nine, and next week will be our 10th, in a series of short articles kind of reminiscing about the financial crisis and the events that were uh, 10 years ago. And we're directly coinciding the date of each article with the date that we were commemorating from 2008. So, for example, the the day that Fannie and Freddie were put into conservatorship by the Treasury Department, September 6, was the date of our first in the series. And uh, on September 29th, um, which, depending on the day you're listening to this, is either tomorrow or today or was perhaps a couple of days ago, but um, the, the idea is that on the 29th of September, there's an article that will be posted about the day that the stock market dropped 777 points in the Dow and that it was uh, at that time in response to the failure of uh, the House of Representatives to pass the TARP legislation troubled asset relief program, which was um, the package put together by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department, brought to the White House and then brought where the White House said you got to get approval from Congress and then brought to the Congress to apportion $700 billion to aid in uh, relief out of the financial crisis. And so we have um, an article commemorating that day, and I kind of walk through the events of my day, uh, September 29th, 2008, and, and then, of course, you know, give the broader message around what was going on that day and why and what it meant and so forth. But the, one of the kind of um, tangential points, but it's really not very tangential in the grand scheme of things, it's tangential to that particular story about September 29th, per se, But in the overall narrative of the financial crisis, one of the kind of key issues is what I'm dedicating this particular podcast here today, Advice and Insights. And it's the question of whether or not TARP is what saved the stock market. Because the stock market did end up hitting a bottom of 666 in the S&P 500 of something around 6,500 in the Dow Jones And as you know, we're now sitting well above 26,000 in the Dow, and we're getting very close to 3,000 in the S&P 500 uh, 10 years later. So there's been this sort of violent and multi-year rally in stocks, Um, uh, a rather gigantic uh, bull market. A lot of those years were spent recovering from the carnage of the crisis, but then obviously uh, past that, this kind of uh, momentum in corporate America, tremendous earnings growth, tremendous um, uh, you know rebalancing of corporate debt uh, that that has allowed for just greater business confidence, greater consumer confidence, and and now we sit here kind of wondering what what inning we may be in, and 
so forth and so on. But I think the way you interpret the stock market now, and I want you to hear this sentence, the way you interpret the stock market now and the way you interpret what will be in the stock market in the future is going to be very different depending on how you view the stock market in 2008, 2009. What you believe were the catalyst to repair and recovery in the market. In other words, if your theory is that the market was indeed going to be going lower, 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 but TARP came in and fixed it, and therefore at least the initial mouth-to-mouth resuscitation in the market was TARP-driven, then it would be somewhat understandable to conclude out of those premises that there was some artificiality, some instability, some uh, irrepeatability in what was behind the stock market rally. Could cause you to have, let's say, a little less confidence into the kind of nature of the beast there. I would suggest that um, there could be no easier thesis to disprove than the notion that the stock market rally of 2009 was brought about by TARP, let alone, of course, the sustained rally. We've talked quite a bit over the years at the Bonson Group. I've written a lot at my Dividend Cafe weekly commentary around the idea that the Federal Reserve in the years that followed were a big part of the the boost to markets. I think um, QE1, QE2, QE3, the the bond buying programs called quantitative easing, that there's a lot more thesis around their role in um, putting a bid under risk assets. Uh, I don't fully agree with the thesis, but I certainly prima facie agree with the plausibility of Federal Reserve intervention providing a boost to valuation of risk assets. It's frankly an undeniable tenant. Um, to to Where I kind of push back on it is those that say that's the entire story of the market, as if um, corporate earnings tripling from the bottom of the market shouldn't be expected to have brought about a market that is tripled or at least somewhere thereabouts. Um, and so, you know, you clearly have an efficiency of market story behind the market rally. You have uh, the profit motive uh, doing what it does best, and that is capital uh, going in hot pursuit of its most rational use, its most productive use for the betterment of, of a particular constituency. And in the course of that, what we call free enterprise, you have um, profits. And out of profits, you have rising stock prices. I don't find the theory... Uh, that I just laid out, particularly controversial. Now, I certainly understand as you get more granular that you get higher valuation multiples, you you get lower debt service, which, add, which adds to um, af, uh, earnings when you have lower rates. And so some of the different Fed uh, uh, interventions um, have definitely been a factor. Um, but I would, I would argue that not the only factor and not even the primary one. But let's go back to the TARP idea, which is what I'm talking about here today. Do you believe that TARP was what rallied the market? And this forces us to go back to history. It is absolutely true that the market dropped 777 points on September 29th, 2008. And that was done in, in response to the House not passing TARP. Well, um, the fact of the matter is that let's not forget the day before, it happened to be three days before because there was a weekend in between, 
you had yet another bank failure, Wachovia, falling into the loving arms of, at the time, Citigroup at $1 a share. It ended up being Wells Fargo at $7 a share. But two weeks earlier, Wachovia was being presented as one of the rescuers of either Morgan Stanley or, or, or one of the other banks in big, investment banks in big trouble. So Wachovia went from a rescuer to a rescuee. The day before that, you had the largest bank failure in American history with Washington Mutual getting snatched up for a fraction, a teeny tiny fraction of its prior market uh, uh, capitalization as JP Morgan came in and, and saved WAMU. So you, so we were like right in the jungle of things. We were right in the, the height of all this market tension. Less than two weeks earlier, you had the Lehman bankruptcy. You were still reeling from the Merrill Lynch issue, which by the way, had not yet closed in their Bank of America rescue. You had Morgan Stanley in free fall, and they were trying to put together a deal with uh, Mitsubishi. Full disclosure, I was managing director of Morgan Stanley at the time and had a very good seat to everything going on in that sense. You had Goldman Sachs getting money from Warren Buffett, a $5 billion preferred investment at a high coupon. You had Bank of America and General Electric getting Warren Buffett investments. You had... Um, uh, AIG getting a Federal Reserve bailout of $85 billion. So so the market could have very well gone down 500 points that day without this whole issue. But no, I mean, it was certainly the lack of the TARP vote initially that tanked the market. But then the next day, the markets rallied up, I believe, 500 points as the, S as the Senate said they were going to pass TARP. And it was pretty clear that the House was going to chicken out of their no vote. And so this is where we get into the most important part of the history of October, November, on into January, February, after President Obama, Obama was inaugurated. as to what was going on inside the stock market. Because it is surreal to me as I look back at the history of it and see people just in total panic. The market had dropped 500 points today. Lehman went down. It dropped 450 points two days later. It dropped 777 points that fateful day of September 29th when TARP didn't vote. Yet we were still sitting above 10,000. We were still above 10,000. The Dow went to 6,500 in early March. So we weren't, we hadn't even really hit the, the acceleration of the drop yet. What, so where does TARP fit into what happened in the market? Well, here's what happened. Monday, October 3rd, or Friday, October 3rd, they passed TARP. Okay, so the House had chickened out, then they re-voted, and they passed it. I personally had congressmen tell me that they voted no only after they knew that this time they did have the votes to vote yes. Okay, they, they were petrified that uh, there was going to be this complete total free fall if TARP did not pass. So what happened? Markets reopened October 6th, a Monday, the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. Well, I'm not totally sure you can find a week uh, besides, you know, Black Monday of 87 and the Great Depression. But that week after TARP passed became the worst week for markets in 2008. You had TARP thrown across the desks of all the financial firms one week later, Monday, October 13th, uh, infamous meeting in Washington, D.C., sitting around the conference table, the CEOs of the nine major financial firms of America. Let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. It was Citigroup, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, which were not yet the same firm, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, 
Uh, for some reason, I still don't know. Northern Trust was there. For some reason, I still don't know. State Street was there, I believe, and then Wells Fargo. I'm almost positive those are the nine. I did it off memory. If I'm wrong, it's only by one. Okay? And uh, they basically said we're injecting uh, $250 billion of equity into your banks. TARP was voted on with the understanding that the federal government would be buying distressed assets from these banks. They ended up changing it to be a direct equity investment with a coupon and warrants that would convert into common equity, common stock. Okay, so they bought preferred stock. It it um, diluted equity value. It put the government as a partner with these firms until they could pay it back, and then it gave them warrants to actually get the upside of the stock. Taxpayers uh, made a fortune, made over twenty percent on the investment when all was said and done. Um brutally uh, different idea than what TARP originally was considered to be that first $250 billion. They ended up getting to $700 billion as well. It included completely outside of what was sold to Congress an investment into the automakers that were distressed. It included money to Fannie and Freddie that came from TARP. Um, it included some of the AIG money ended up coming from TARP and a fair amount of money that was injected to different retail and commercial banks around the country. So here's the thing. Was TARP good policy or not? Let's start with that. Um, I am not going to get into the politics of TARP on this podcast for the simple reason that there is no possibility of us ever having a rational conversation about it because of how poorly it was sold to American people, because of how bad the optics were, because of how quick the process was, and especially because of how they changed what they originally had set out to do. At the end of the day, there is an irreversible narrative, irreversible narrative that Wall Street was bailed out with TARP. Lehman Brothers stock went to zero. Bear Stearns stock essentially almost went to zero. Um, Bank of America went to three bucks, um, but it was allowed to fight another day, and it's gone higher since then. That's relevant. Morgan Stanley was $70 in 2007. It was 9 or 12 in 2012. It's now back up to 50, but again, still far below its uh, pre-crisis highs. Citigroup right now is still down, let's call it roughly 80% from where it was. So the stockholders of these big Wall Street firms were not bailed out. The bondholders were, though. The bonds were paid in full, 100 cents on the dollar. And there's a very good chance that the run on the banks and the spiraling negative feedback loop would not have enabled the bondholders to be made whole. The bondholders blowing up would have surely had more uh, carnage in its wake. The depositors of the firms, especially in the commercial banks, could potentially have been in deep distress. There's no possible way the FDIC could have uh, been, waved a, uh, had a had a just tiny little. Um, fraction of ability to deal with those liabilities as they were blowing out. So it, I will not defend TARP. I will not say a good thing about it. I will not uh, uh, talk about that TARP was necessary or not necessary. I will simply state the obvious that it, it, the bulk of the people that are reacting to TARP are not totally clear on the financial particulars. That's not an insult. It's just a fact. The economic granularity behind TARP is not necessarily what they're criticizing. It's the optics. It's the politics. It's the narrative. I get it. Um, 
And, and yet I will say this. TARP did absolutely nothing to repair the stock market. The stock market got dramatically worse after TARP, not before. TARP was a huge rescue to the bondholders. But the fact of the matter is TARP didn't even stop the bleeding and the balance sheets of the firms that was set out to rescue. We had another fateful weekend on a Sunday night in November where people were waiting outside Citigroup with boxes and with cameras and media and wondering what was going to go on with their firm. And it went down to 97 cents a share. Morgan Stanley came in and bought Smith Barney in a panic sale to raise assets. City sold off other assets and the government ended up having to backstop, uh, I believe, $250 billion of additional toxic debts, SIVs and CDOs and CLOs around mortgage assets. So what you had with TARP was, whether for right or for wrong, some desire from the Treasury Department and Federal Reserve to stop the bleeding in American capital markets, but uh, the market reacting negatively to the notion of nationalization. In fact, the market took its really significantly down after President Obama was inaugurated in January and all hell broke loose in February when neither the President or the Treasury Secretary of the United States, Tim Geithner, were able to answer the question, are they going to blow up the preferreds or not? Was nationalization off the table or not? On March 6, 2009, Congress repealed FASB 157, which was the mark-to-market accounting regulation, enabling the financial firms to remark assets on their books that were being marked in a kind of primitive fashion and that represented the generational bottom of the market. Steve Forbes had been talking about this for months. Brian Wesbury had been talking about this for months. Once they were able to get removed from a sort of um, antiquated notion of marking assets that was clearly not reflective of reality, performing assets, had never missed a coupon, had full cash flows behind them, but were being marked on bank books at 50 cents on the dollar because of the illiquidity of them. And that was creating a stranglehold in the ability for fluidity in, in capital markets and the movement of capital, blah, blah, blah. So here's the thing I would say about TARP. I don't have a political message around it. I happen to think that it is perfectly coherent that the feds and treasuries and these types of bureaucrats would have thought some intervention was necessary. I, at that point, I'm sympathetic to the view that perhaps something needed to be done, uh, although I think it's unhelpful to talk about now. I think the more helpful thing is why we ever were in that position to begin with. Um, but I also believe that the initial TARP would have been a far more effective one than what they ended up doing to uh, kind of essentially bought assets off the banks, had a mechanism for determining a mark, and, and uh, doing that versus the direct injection of equity. By the way, there's reasonable arguments the other side has against my case here too. I just don't have time to get into it now. But in terms of what we want to conclude about the stock market, the advice I will give to you and the insights I will share is that TARP was a negative to the stock market, not a positive. It was a savior of the bond market. And ultimately, the repair that ended up coming in the stock market had far, far, far more to do with mark-to-market accounting than it did with TARP. There is our advice and insights. Stocks always and forever follow earnings. Don't ever forget that. If you have questions about this, you want to talk further, feel free to email us. Reach out to thebonsongroup.com anytime. 
We would love it if you'd forward and share and bless this podcast with a review. If you want to give us a really bad review, then just find something else to do. No, just kind of move on. But if you want to give us a good review, go for it. And in the meantime, thank you for listening to the Advice and Insights podcast. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.